the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. everybody another alga to low craft beer cast on am 970 the answer on this labor day weekend i hope you are enjoying yourself whatever you are doing if you're listening to the show live right now uh, the day before labor day and the 11 o'clock hour on a sunday night hope you're enjoying a nice warm fire maybe uh, maybe some beers in the backyard or in your fire pit wherever you are um, and wherever you may be listening across the country and around the world we've got a great show for you tonight uh, we're gonna have news and notes to get to but first how can you follow me very easily on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, that's spelled G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash A-G Craft You can email me always at albertg at nycradio.com. iTunes, uh, we're on there. You just do a search for A-G Craft Beer Cast. You can find the shows on those two platforms. Alexa Ready as well. We're on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and of course, the Hopped Up Network. If you head over to the Hopped Up Network, you can l- usually listen to the podcast version of this program. Uh, Monday mornings before 6 a.m. Now, coming up in 20 minutes, Rob Comstock. He's the managing partner at Riptide, which, among other things, does surveys. They did a new one that says that people are ready to go back to watching sporting and concert events indoors than it was previously thought. It's an interesting study. We'll talk to Rob about that and some other things as well, and that's coming up in about 20 minutes from now. Dio's Just Another Day uh, from the Sacred Heart album, which happens to be the last album that Vivian Campbell played guitar on. Uh, it was this week, I, I, I can't remember how many years ago, it was the, uh, like the first time that Dio did uh, Heaven and Hell with the guys from Black Sabbath. It was the last time that they had gotten together and done uh, the, you know, the Black Sabbath stuff, the two albums that Dio had done um, with uh, Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and, uh, and Bill Ward. So uh, some interesting stuff there, and I uh, just wanted to sprinkle some Dio in, as usual. Uh, but uh, you know, we'll get into some other music as the Labor Day goes on. Now, let's get into some news and notes here. So, indoor dining has returned to New Jersey as of this past Friday. Now, Governor Murphy signed an executive order that allows restaurants to serve customers indoors at 25% capacity. It's about time. We were supposed to have this in July and got pushed now to September. Murphy noted, windows must be kept open in order to ensure proper ventilation and air conditioning units also need to be set up to ensure that outside airflow is maximized. This follows pressure from people within the restaurant industry, to allow for indoor dining as many eateries are facing significant financial struggles. Now, it also means that breweries can reopen as well with 25% capacity. Although from what I'm reading from a number of different places, um, some of them may not be able to open right away because they have a small space. And that's going to be the difficulty of it. Uh, A place like Twin Elephant does not have um, a large patio, and their inside is really not conducive 
to social distancing. It's a tight spot. So there may, you know, they may open, but they may only open to, you know, 10 people. And I guess for them, from a business standpoint, is it worth it opening up for just 10 people? So, or I'll give you another example, wet ticket. Now, I haven't, spoke, I haven't spoken to uh, Tim Pewitt from uh, wet ticket, um, but he has an outdoor space right now, but now he can open inside. But if you've ever been to wet ticket, it's basically one large room with a bar. So you're talking about, and he's got, you know, two tables on the side that could probably squeeze about six people, maybe eight. You got another long table that could easily fit eight people. You have two tabletops, right, that seats two people apiece. You got two tabletops on the side on the right when you walk in. And then you've got a bar basically set up with probably nine seats. Now, if you're trying to social distance at six feet, that's going to be very difficult to do and generate business. I'm guessing the capacity of Tim's places, especially if you include where they brew the beer, and I'm sure that they would keep that uh, walled off, um, I am sure that you may only be able to get 10 people inside. Maybe 15. 15, I think, would be tight in there. 10? So, again, is it worth it to open uh, in that indoor space? Are you going to gain that much business? I don't know. So that, that remains to be seen there. But, listen, this is a good first step for restaurants in New Jersey. Let's get to 25% capacity and see what happens. My other issue is the, the ventilation. If, you don't, if you're a place that doesn't have windows... How can you open up? How do, your air conditioning system has to be upgraded. And I'm sure a lot of these restaurants did that. But what if you didn't? See, that's the, those are the couple of questions that remain to be seen. And to be honest with you, from my point of view, I'm probably going to wait a little bit before going inside to dine because I want to see if there's going to be a spike in the next couple of weeks. That's just my personal preference. Now, in New York City, though, it appears restaurants won't be hosting customers indoors anytime soon. Both Governor Cuomo, Mayor de Blasio, Say there are still too many concerns about COVID-19 for such service to resume. However, officials did say they're working on guidelines that would allow indoor dining to return, but did not offer a specific timetable. In the meantime, restaurants can continue serving customers outdoors. However, um, there are a number of restaurants that have now sued New York State because they want to be able to reopen. Their argument is, why is it that a place in Nassau County can open and, you know, right over the border in Queens you know, X restaurant can't open. And they make a good point. How is the airflow any different from Nassau County to Queens? Um, If you're going to open, all of them should be open. And I get it that New York City has a denser population, and there may be places that um, don't have enough space to be able to open indoors, but there are plenty of spaces in New York City that could open safely inside. And these businesses are going to go out of business And that will be a huge problem for the city when it comes to tax revenue. As I've said before, it's a trickle-down effect. If the restaurant can't open, they can't pay the landlord, the landlord can't pay the bank, nobody wins. We have to figure out how to open up in a way that is both responsible and also financial to help these people. And if you're not going to let them reopen until, you know, next year when there's a vaccine, then you need to do something as a city or a state in New York to offset these people's losses so that they don't lose their business. You've got to figure out a way. And the fact that you're not getting a lot of revenue as it is is going to be an even bigger problem. As we move on here in our uh, News and Notes segment here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Trogues has uh, once again partnered with the Pennsylvania chapter of the Nature Conservancy to announce the release of Trail Day. It's a limited beer benefiting Pennsylvania's uh, Katini Ridge, an ecologically important 185-mile chain, of uh, forested Appalachian Mountains that runs through Pennsylvania. 
This new dry hop pilsner begins with a backbone of German pilsner malt, uh, dry hopping with says hops, uh, lends mild citrus and earthy notes. Uh, then they introduce fresh lager yeast as the fermentation slows, conditioning the beer, delivering crisp and clean notes of biscuit, dried spice, and a hint of citrus. A portion of proceeds from the sales of this new dry hop pilsner Trail Day are going to benefit the uh, Trogues Trail Day Fund to help protect 15,000 acres of the most critical connected lands on and next to the ridge from the Mason-Dixon line into New York State through the Delaware Water Gap. Trail Day available in 16-ounce cans throughout Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, New Jersey, Washington, D.C., and in parts of New York. If you want to know more about Trail Day, uh, just head over uh, to Trogues' website and uh, click on the links there to their blog, and you can check that out. Bud Light apparently begging... For someone who knows what it takes to create a great meme, it's hiring the first chief meme officer to promote its line of hard seltzers. The beer brand admits its memes are trash and says they need help bad. The job requires 10 memes a week. Listen to this. Pays $5,000 a month for three months. That's not bad. Five grand a month for three months, and you got to put 10 memes out a week. Those interested must apply by September 18th. I know plenty of people on this show who would never have a Bud Light. Um... But uh, and uh, promote their line of hard seltzers because everybody's jumping into the seltzer game now. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. So again, you got to apply by September eighteenth. Five five grand a month for three months. That's that's not too bad. Uh, and uh, the New York State Liquor Authority uh, apparently harassing bars and restaurants in New York State, hitting them with exorbitant fines, making it nearly impossible to stay afloat during the pandemic. Um, and according to nearly two dozen, this according to nearly two dozen state lawmakers who uh, this past week urged the agency to work with and not against the businesses. State Senator Jessica Ramos uh, of Queens says we're calling on the SLA to take immediate action to remedy their harsh punishment against small businesses when they need our support most. Uh, this was signed by 19 other state senators. Uh, Ramos and her colleagues say the penalties are too high. The enforcement process isn't transparent. SLA, uh, as of two weeks ago, had suspended the licenses of 162 bars and restaurants, filing nearly 900 charges for coronavirus-related social distancing violations. About half of those establishments within the five boroughs, the businesses face fines of ten grand per violation. That can add up to $35,000 in penalties. Look, these businesses are not making any money. And now you're, you're, you're fining them for these social distancing rules. Uh, I get what the governor is trying to do. You need to be ordering a meal or having some food in order to have a drink. But you can do that responsibly, have a drink, have something to eat, and then leave. That's the key here. But I think the State Liquor Authority needs to back off because you're just going to end up putting these people even more in debt, and they're going to end up going out of business. And that's not what you want here. They have to work with these people. Now, are there some businesses that are flat, that are, you know, Flaunting the rules and just saying, screw you? Absolutely. Uh, we've seen instances of that. Everybody needs to work together because, it, you know, the, the businesses that are doing it right shouldn't be penalized for the ones that are doing it wrong. If everybody works together, you can make a little bit of money here. I know it's not a lot, but it's something until we can get back to normal. When we come back after a short break, more news and notes, including a new CEO at Stone Brewing. We'll have that and a lot more coming up next on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast. On AM 970, The Answer. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. 
Yeah. Sometimes I give myself the creeps. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. It all keeps setting up. I think. All right. Welcome back to the Alcatrulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer. You didn't think I was going to play the curse word there. Come on now. You can follow me very easily on Twitter at Al Gattulo, Instagram at Gattulo, G-A-T-T-U-L-L-O, Facebook.com slash A-G Craft Beer Cast via email at Albert G at NYC Radio.com. Uh, we're on iTunes as well. We're Alexa Ready, Radio.com, iHeartRadio. We're also on the Hopped Up Network. You just head over to the Hopped Up Network uh, Monday mornings before 6 a.m. and you can listen to the podcast version of this particular show and many shows that are on that network they're great stuff you should definitely check it out coming up in 10 minutes rob comstock the managing partner at riptide would among uh, other things which among other things listen to me they do surveys and there's a new one that uh says people are more ready than not to get back to watching sporting and concert events indoors it's an interesting study you want to check that out coming up in just about 10 minutes from now now i teased before the break a new ceo at stone and they announced earlier this week, Stone Brewing did, that Maria Stipp is the new CEO. And as explained by Steve Wagner, Maria has all the qualities we are looking for in a CEO. She brings experience from a very well-respected brewery and experience from outside the industry, too. She lives up to our values and has long admired our revolutionary spirit. More, most importantly, she's someone co-founder Greg Cook and I are honored and excited to work with. And the latter is a must because we're sticking around. Of course, Stipp spent the past five years as the CEO of Lagunitas Brewing. She was president uh, previously of Echo ATM, a company launched in Stone's hometown of San Diego. Uh, before that, she was the executive vice president at Activision. She was responsible for Call of Duty and Guitar Hero. Further in the past, Miller Brewing Company and Kellogg. So clearly, she knows w- uh, about beer. She will oversee Stone's East and West Coast Brewing production facilities, two Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens locations, seven Stone Brewing Taproom locations, and distribution to all 50 states and more than 40 countries. So kudos uh, to the folks at Stone for announcing Maria Stipp as their new CEO. Uh, North Carolina's Governor Roy Cooper extending the state's alcohol curfew through October 2nd. That means alcohol sales for on-site consumption in restaurants, breweries, wineries, and distilleries must stop at 11 p.m. The original curfew set to expire September 1st. It does not apply to grocery stores. Coors Light Making dream vacations happen. Yeah, I know. Somebody's listening right now going, Coors Light. Well, listen, it's beer-related. There's a new contest for anyone who's ever set a destination photo as their Zoom background. The beer brand is now bringing that photo to life. Five people will get to choose their escape. Simply visit CoorsLight.com slash outside and upload a selfie with a video chat background by October 1st. Um, and I guess, I guess they're going to give you your dream vacation. That's my guess. Uh, if you want it sponsored by Coors Light, good for you. That's how I look at it. I don't really use Zoom that much, so I would never do something like that. Nassau County encouraging city residents to dine in or out on Long Island. County Executive Laura Curran has said the, ta- uh, the, the Taste Nassau Today campaign is letting everyone know the county is open for outdoor and indoor dining, especially to New York City residents. This comes as New Jersey prepare- has, uh, has opened indoor dining at 25% capacity this past Friday. No timetable has been set in New York City uh, for restaurants to reinstate indoor dining. So this is a big deal. Long Island is trying to get that business from New York City. And obviously those people who are on the Queens border are going to travel into Nassau County. Similarly, in the Bronx, you're going to head up to Westchester because there's indoor dining. Additionally, in Staten Island, maybe a little bit in Brooklyn, 
you're going to head over the bridge to New Jersey. And you're going to dine in New Jersey and then come back. So New York City has to figure out, as I mentioned in the previous break, New York City has to figure out how to get indoor dining up and running again. And they need to do it soon because if these businesses go out of business, it's going to be a very, very big problem. I applaud Laura Curran for what she's trying to do. Hey, these businesses are open. They've got indoor and outdoor dining. We'd like you to come out. And those people are going to come out and dine if they really want to. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. People have been cooped up for so long. And I understand the disease, this, this COVID-19 is dangerous. You have to take precautions. But we also have to open up a little bit more. Wear a mask when you're at the table. Take it off when you eat. Take it off when you take a drink. When you're done, put your mask back on. You know, this is, unfortunately, this is going to be sort of the new norm uh, for a while. Now, the bigger story in New Jersey, and this is an interesting story, and this broke on Wednesday of this past week. So 20 liquor stores throughout New Jersey, including the Vingo Wine and Spirit stores in Atlantic Highlands, Red Bank, and Long Branch, were given $90,000 fines in lieu of almost a one-year license suspension after the Division of Alcohol Beverage Control determined they engaged in a discriminatory, discriminatory trade practices. So Attorney General Gerber Graywall and the state ABC announced, uh, this was, I believe this was Tuesday morning, that New Jersey's two largest wine and spirits wholesalers will pay $4 million each to resolve findings that they engaged in discriminatory trade practices that unfairly favored their largest retail customers. In addition, the 20 retailers charged statewide will pay a total of $2.3 million for their part in the unlawful scheme. So you're talking $4 million each, so eight, almost $10 million, a little over $10 million, uh, through these two distributors and these liquor stores. So in separate consent orders with the ABC, wholesalers Allied Beverage Group and Fedway Associates agreed to pay record-high monetary penalties and change their business practices to resolve trade violations uncovered during a sweeping two-year investigation by ABC's Enforcement and Investigation Bureaus. And the investigation found that the wholesalers, which together account for approximately 70% of all wine and 80% of all spirits sold at wholesale in the state, unfairly favored 20 of the state's largest wine and spirits retailers and put smaller retailers at a competitive disadvantage by manipulating the retailer incentive program, granting credit extensions and interest-free loans and engaging in other discriminatory practices. The, um, the retailer incentive programs provide cash rebates paid to retailers by wholesalers for purchasing certain quantities of alcoholic beverages. ABC regulations control the program by making RIPs available to all retailers on a non-discriminatory basis, by keeping the RIP payments to retailers relatively small, and by not allowing wholesalers to substitute RIPs for interest-free loans. The investigation found Allied Beverage Group and Fedway Associates were giving chosen retailers a financial advantage by issuing rebates more often and in greater amounts than allowed. They also failed to wait the required 30 days before issuing rebates, thus allowing those retailers to use that money to pay for the orders for which the rebates were issued, which is against ABC regulations. Retailers who do not pay for orders within 30 days. So a brewery drops off their beer, a liquor, you know, a liquor company drops off their liquor. You have to pay 30, within 30 days. They're put on an industry-wide cash-only delivery status if you don't make your payment in 30 days. So the early rebates ensured that the larger retailers would have a ready cash flow to pay for their orders on time, giving them an unfair edge over smaller retailers who had to use their own money to pay for their wine and spirits orders within the required 30-day window. The investigation also found that the Allied Beverage Group and Fedway Associates falsified records related to RIPs 
and or used undocumented gift cards to make cash payments to chosen retailers that were not accounted for. This is not good. Now, it doesn't say anything about beer here. It just says everything about wine and spirits. But basically, they were giving these guys interest-free loans to pay their, their debt off beyond the 30 days to not report them, essentially, and essentially to give them free money to do with as they will. And so for the smaller, the smaller places, they don't have that advantage. They're not allowed to do that. So they've got to dip into their own pocket if they're not making enough money, right? On top of that, you've got to pay these guys 30 days. You're selling their beer or their wine or their spirits that you've sold. You've got to pay them their money. This is just wrong. And I'm glad that, you know, the ABC came in and did this. I think we're going to see a little bit more. Now, um, but here's the thing. Each retailer entered a consent order with the ABC to resolve the charges with the following settlement terms. So instead of losing their license for a year, they basically said it was worth it to pay upwards hundreds of thousands of dollars to make it go away. To basically say, oh, you're not going to suspend my license. Great. So I get it. There's a consequence to their action in terms of money. But by having these people lose their licenses for a year, that would have severely crippled their business. And maybe that's what needed to be done here. I don't know. But Vingo Wine and Spirits, uh, each of them $90,000 apiece in, in many places, Newman Springs Road in, in Red Bank, Atlantic Highlands in Eatontown. Uh, let's see. Where else? There's a couple places. Uh, Joe Canals, which I've shopped at before, both in Woodbridge and in Lawrenceville. Uh, in Woodbridge, $90,000 in, in, uh, in compromise, 160000 down in Lawrenceville. Gary's Wine and Marketplace in Bernardsville, 90000 and uh, plus corrective action. Liquor World of Fort Lee, $110,000. Uh, you have Hudson Wine Market in Fort Lee, 90000 Gary's Wine and Marketplace in Madison. Bayway, World of Liquors in Elizabeth, got hit with $375,000 in fines, plus uh, phased in retirement of, man- of a manager and other corrective action. Sterling World of Liquor and Sterling Fine Wines, $110,000. Gary's Wine and Marketplace in Wayne, and, and a whole bunch of uh, uh, Vingo wine and spirits. So this is serious stuff, but I almost think it's a slap on the wrist for these guys because most of these businesses, I'm not saying that they have the money for it, but they, they can weather a storm like this and recoup what they've lost. The smaller guy doesn't get a chance to do that. That's just my two cents on the matter. When we come back after a short break, Rob Comstock, the managing partner at Riptide, will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast, uh, Google Play, iTunes, just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast, uh, Alexa Ready as well. We're also available on radio.com and iHeartRadio. And on Monday mornings, the podcast version of this program can be heard over on the Hopped Up Network. You just head over to thehoppedupnetwork.com, and you can listen to this show or a plethora of others whenever you want. So the last concert that I actually went to before this whole pandemic started was the, the guy that you just heard there as we came back from the break, Joe Bonamassa. And I saw him at the Beacon Theater. And that is the last show 
that I went. Actually, was it the last show? No, it was the one before that. Because they no, there was one after it. It was Sting was the last one that I actually saw in an indoor venue. But Joe Bonamassa was that week as well. But my next guest is the managing partner of a company called Riptide, and their company helps large venues enhance the customer experience. Now, they recently did a study that shows that people are willing to go back safely to an indoor arena in a much quicker time than was previously thought. And now that indoor dining is coming back to New Jersey, even if it's at a limited capacity of 25%, could concerts inside or sporting events be far behind? RiptidePartners.com is the website for more information. Let me welcome to the show Rob Comstock. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, now, we'll get to the survey in a moment, Rob, but my first question for you is, why did you start Riptide Partners? I started Riptide Partners because my experience tells me that most sports operators or venue operators think most about what's happening on a concert, on the stage, on the ice, on the court, uh, on the field, and, and haven't thought as much about the experience beyond that. And Having spent time at the Madison Square Garden Company as chief operating officer, my biggest focus was how do we make a much better experience, whether that's buying the tickets, researching coming to an event, going through security, buying food and beverage, dealing with the staff on site. Mm -hmm. Really, I felt there was a big opportunity to enhance that experience outside of what's happening on the stage or the court or the ice. So that's really what drove me to start the business. So let's dive into this survey, Rob. Your, your research was solely based on indoor venues. You found that a large number of people are willing to go back to see a concert or attend a basketball or hockey game than previously thought. So what was that number, and were you surprised by that result? You know, I, I wasn't too surprised, only because, you know, I'm, no sure, I'm sure you're no different. We've been cooped up for a long time. Yep. People are anxious to get back out right. and do things that are, are fun and normal. Uh, and so we, we wanted to go out and ask fans. It's, it's one thing to guess or to get broad feedback, but we felt it was really critical at a local level, New York Metro, to go out to people that had attended concerts or sporting events prior to COVID and, and hear what they had to say. Mm-hmm. And what, what they had to say was once venues do reopen, 89% are willing to go back, which right. is great. Uh, and they're willing to go back within a reasonable time frame, overall average three and a half months. And that includes those that are most concerned about COVID. People that are least concerned about COVID are ready to come back immediately. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's interesting because I would think like indoor dining obviously is returning to New Jersey here at a 25% capacity. Uh, that just started on Friday. And so, um, you know, my wife actually said to me, she said, are you comfortable with going? And I said, you know what, maybe let's give it a couple of weeks see what happens. We're, we're dining in an outdoor venue by our house that we, we support, you know, the local business all the time. And I said, ah, let's give it a couple of weeks and see what happens, see if there's a spike or whatever. But you're saying there are a lot of people that just want to want to go back right away. They're, they're willing to go, you know, whether they have to wear a mask or not, et cetera, et cetera. They're willing to jump right back in. Yeah, that's right. And I think that, to your point, What's required to make them feel safe? And that's one of the other questions we asked. Mm. We said, you know, what would make you, what would you like to see in terms of changes to make you comfortable uh, about going back into a venue? And the number one thing we heard was thorough disinfection of the facility. Right. So clearly, you know, there's, there's steps that can be taken for the venue, by the venue operators to make it a, a safer, more comfortable environment. And that was the number one item. Mm. The other thing that we heard from fans was, you know, 
don't want to have to touch a lot of stuff. So areas that we're concerned in were restrooms, uh, ticket taking, security screening. Right. So if the venue operators can offer touchless options for those areas, that's another way to make people more comfortable coming back. We're talking with Rob Comstock. He's the managing partner of a company called Riptide. Their company helps large venues enhance the customer experience, among other things that they do. RiptidePartners.com is the website for more information as we're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So, Rob, additionally in this survey, ticket price was not a factor in returning, which I find surprising since there are so many people that are laid off currently. Do you think that going to a sporting event is a diversion for people or a return to normalcy, and so that's why they're willing to spend the money? I, I do. I think it's you know, people, you know, even before COVID, people went to concerts or sporting events to escape the day-to-day right. and to just get away, have fun, think about nothing else, and enjoy the experience. Uh, and I think we're seeing that here. And, and interestingly, we also heard from people, not only are they, are they not concerned about discounting, they're willing to pay the, the price, Right. They also want to buy food and beverage. They want to buy merchandise at the same rate they did prior to COVID. So clearly it also says, if, if I like to have a beer, when I go to a sporting event, I'm still going to have a beer. Right. They want to have that enjoyable experience. E- even if it costs $18 for a thimble of beer. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I get that perfectly. But uh, let me ask you, Rob, uh, let's say a, a venue like Madison Square Garden. They upgrade. They upgrade their their you know uh, the disinfectants, and they do more touchless stuff, and you know they do all of these these things, which requires them obviously to spend money. They're going to have to pass that along to the consumer in order to pay for those things. Correct? Uh, not always. I think that you know what we're seeing is you know some teams uh, are talking about looking at this over a three year horizon. They know that they've got to invest now to get people back into facilities and uh, and get that sort of return to normalcy as a way to, to think about the longer term. So I, I don't think everyone is looking at it as a, you know, a one month or one event or even one year issue. They're looking at it over the longer term so they can think about a longer planning horizon for the financials as well. Talking with Rob Comstock, he's the managing partner of a company called Riptide. Their company helps large venues enhance the customer experience, among other things that they do. RiptidePartners.com is the website for more information. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM970, The Answer. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, and since you mentioned it earlier, Rob, you were the COO of MSG when the garden was redesigned. How much of that input uh, did you take from fans and passing it along to, say, Jim Dolan and the, and the, and the board and say, look, this is what the fans are looking for and need to see improved or enhanced, and those directives were followed. Yeah, my tenure uh, was following the, the redesign, so oh, okay. I can't speak to what exactly. But I do know for, from having been there and from talking to a lot of folks who were involved, they did take a lot of you know feedback from uh, guests as well as employees around pain points and areas that needed to be improved. So. Um, that that was definitely and, and always has been a part of the Madison Square Garden company of really understanding their fan base and, and responding. Yeah, and I have to say, I mean, going going to and, and, and attending events at the Garden after the redesign, uh, it was a much more pleasant experience than it was before that. And by pleasant, I mean I don't I don't mean that you know the people were nicer, et cetera, et cetera. They've always been nice. Just the 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 look of the Garden and the the redesign made it feel like it was a new arena, even though it was. You know, stuff that was just, you know, kind of changed around seats, et cetera, and putting in those new concession stands and having more access uh, to certain things. Like for me, obviously, uh, with the beer, it was nice to see other beers in there than just the Budweiser's and the Coors Lights and that there was 
uh, a bit of an option to purchase different things. And yeah, I know everybody complains that beer prices are so high, et cetera, et cetera. But I get it. There's an overhead and there's cost uh, things involved. So I, I understand that. And that's what made the garden uh, more pleasant, at least for me, uh, to go to. But my last question for you, Rob, and since this is a show about beer, uh, during the pandemic, what, what kind of beers, if any, have you been drinking while you've been uh, been working from home? <laughs> like many, cocktail hours a, a critical component for me. And, and having lived uh, in a number of places across the U.S., I'll, I'll highlight three that I, I, I came to enjoy and I still drink. So while I was in Texas, I became a big fan of Shinerbach. Okay. Uh, and 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 you know, strangely enough, I'm up in Maine right now. I can still find Shinerbach up here, yep. so I do enjoy Shiner. Um, having spent some time in New York, uh, obviously, uh, and continued to you know, spend time in New York, uh, one of my favorite beers, particularly for post-I mountain bike, so post-ride beer, was Montauk Session, ah. the Montauk Brewing. Okay. Um, a big fan of that one. And then up in Maine, uh, there's a, a company up here called Maine Beer Company oh, in yes. Freeport. Uh, and I'm a big fan of the Peeper Ale, the Pale Ale. So those, a, are, those are three of the highlights for me. The Peeper <laughs> Ale is is really good. Uh, I encourage you to try Lunch. That's a good one as well uh, from those guys. Uh, yeah, I've had it. Yep, they do. Uh, dinner is good as well. They do some they do some nice stuff, and I love uh, the simplicity uh, of their packaging. I know a lot of the labels these days are you know they have these artists working on it, which is great. But sometimes uh, the simple things. Uh, are always nice to uh, pick up a gear, uh, you know, a beer and drink one. My guest has been Rob Comstock. He's the managing partner of a company called Riptide, and their company helps large venues enhance the customer experience, among other things that they do. RiptidePartners.com is the website for more information. You can also see the survey that they did there about how people want to get back into those indoor arenas sooner rather than later. Rob, thanks so much for giving me a few minutes tonight. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, Al. Take care. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife, guaranteed to have the time of your life, because the Mets are really sucking the ball, knocking the Final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And uh, obviously, if you're a sports fan, if you are a baseball fan, you'll know that uh, earlier this week, Tom Seaver, Tom Terrific, uh, passed away at the age of 75. Of course, the Meet the Mets theme uh, that was and is synonymous, obviously, with the New York Mets that you hear, you know, basically every game, uh, Jane Jarvis on the organ and the the whole thing, and... Tom Seaver was probably one of the greatest pitchers uh, in baseball when it comes to how he helped the Mets win a World Series in 1969, the Miracle Mets, um, how he did so much for the organization, and then they traded him away. He came back for a short stint, and then, if I'm not mistaken, he finished his career with the Red Sox. In the 86 World Series, he's in the opposing dugout in Shea when the Mets won the World Series in 86. And that was a series, you know, obviously the Mets were so dominant that year 
that they were supposed to win and almost lost to the Red Sox. Um, this is a guy who won three Cy Young Awards, centerpiece of the 69 Miracle Mets uh, when they beat the, uh, the Orioles. This is a guy who had 313 wins. Uh, what was he, an all-star, uh, 15 time, what was it, 12 time, 12-time all-star, won Cy Young Award winners uh, in 69, 73, and 75. Uh, again, he was, you know, a part of the 73 Mets championship, not the, the Mets the team that went to the World Series and ended up losing um, to Oakland. Um, he was an unbelievable pitcher. So he pitched for, after the, after the Mets, he pitched for the Reds, the Mets again, and the White Sox, and then was traded to the Red Sox. And as I said, he was in the visiting dugout at Shea when the Mets beat Boston in Game 7 of the 86 World Series. Retired a lifetime 311-205 record, a 2.86 ERA, 3,640 strikeouts. The guy was amazing. And I can't recall if I got to see him pitch in his, in his years in the 70s. I know I didn't see him pitch before he left the Mets um, in 77. But he was amazing. Wonderful broadcaster. And, you know, uh, for those who don't know, he stepped away from private life last year. Died and, and passing, apparently, from... Uh, Lou, uh, Louis body dementia and COVID-19. So apparently he had gotten COVID. Um, the family had announced at the time that he had had dementia and uh, retired from public life. A big time uh, wine grower um, in California. Loved working on the vineyard. Um, he was the franchise and one of the greatest Mets of all time. One of only two players, by the way, whose number has been retired by the Mets. The other one being Mike Piazza. So uh, couldn't let the... Uh, the weekend go by without mentioning uh, Tom Terrific, Tom Seaver. So let's get into our uh, Suds and Duds segment, which is our usual segment for the final uh, hour, for the final segment of the program. Uh, Colts Nectar from uh, Source Brewing. They used locally sourced honey uh, in this beer, and what a juicy, delicious beer! Uh, nice flavor from the honey. You really get it um, as you're sipping it on the back end. Creamy. It is a fantastic beer. Um, you know, they had two beers that they released. I did not have the second beer yet. I've been so busy over the weekend, uh, last weekend, and trying other beers that I never got a chance to get into um, the other beer that Source put out. And I think I know why, because it was probably a 10%er, and I really wasn't in the mood to drink a 10%er at that point. So um, Island Jams by Brick City, smooth, slamming, great coconut flavor in this one. Just a really nice beer, perfect uh, for a summer's night. I had a can of Go Flight by Icarus. Uh, Paragon Tap and Table has some cans. Uh, of Icarus Brewing, uh, as well as some stuff on tap from them. So good stuff from them. Light, refreshing, nice beer. Good way to uh, cap off the night there. Uh, found a, a four-pack of Sour Pasture Calves, the Wild Cherry and Grape. Now, I've had it on tap, and it's delicious. In the can, it's just as good. Um, think of think of a warm summer day, and your mom has made Kool-Aid. Like fresh Kool-Aid that just, you know, fresh. I mean, it's in a packet. You're putting water in it. You're basically drinking sugar water, right? But if you remember that feeling as a kid, when you're running around with your friends, it's hot out, you want something refreshing. And don't forget, back when I grew up in the 70s and 80s, bottled water wasn't available everywhere. They didn't have, you know, 15 different bottles of water that you could get, et cetera, et cetera, right? So Kool-Aid or those little... um, Plastic uh, drinks that you get for a quarter in orange and grape and whatever, those were the things that we drank. We basically drank sugar to keep us going all day. Well, this is what this beer reminds me of, Sour Pasture Calves, the Wild Cherry and Grape. That kind of mix of Kool-Aid that you have 
you know, over ice that's, you know, really, really good. So go figure. As we continue on here in our Suds and Duds segment on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Uh, my neighbor, um, Rob, was down in uh, Long Beach Island for a little vacation last week. And he brought back, I told him, I said, you got to go over to Ship Bottom Brewery. Um, they do a great job. They're right on the island. They're in Beach Haven. You have to check them out. So he ended up picking up some cans from Ship Bottom and brought me back a few. One of them that I got a chance to try, uh, the Hop and Hazy, a solid hazy IPA, real good stuff. Uh, the guys at Ship Bottom are doing a great job. If you're down in the Long Beach Island area, uh, you get on the island and you're looking for something you know, local and good, try Ship Bottom. And they just opened a pop-up we mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, in Pennsylvania as well. They have a little pop-up place where you can get uh, their beers and seltzers as well. Heavy Seas had sent me the Be More Snowball. This is part of their um, kind of street series. Uh, it's reminiscent, supposed to be reminiscent of an egg custard blonde. This was really good. Nice vanilla and spice. It was refreshing. Um, I really enjoyed this one. It kind of captured the essence of having a, uh, an egg custard, uh, which is a Baltimore staple. Um, so I really enjoyed this one. This is one I could go back to uh, again and again. Uh, another beer that was put on tap by Paragon from Brick City, Acid Blend, the Jams Mix Volume 3. Uh, the What I got from it was it tasted like a mimosa. Um, just that that orange juice and kind of champagne. Uh, really, really nice. Uh, a real good beer. It was delicious and uh, very much enjoyed that. And then got a chance. It was um, our neighbor's uh, wedding anniversary, and it was also my neighbor. Uh, it was his birthday. And so we celebrated, you know, with a little dinner, and then we went back to their place and uh, broke out a couple of the, the heavy-duty bottles. Uh, Source had recently celebrated their one-year anniversary, so I figured now was a good time to break out a couple of those bottles to share. Started off with a barrel-aged Imperial Stout Maple Vanilla. Uh, tons of flavor. The back-end maple syrup was awesome. Love the vanilla in this one. Um, these are definitely beers you don't want to age. You definitely want to drink these fresh. This was a great beer. I really enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, the other one that we cracked was the barrel-aged Imperial Stout, um, which I think was on gin, gin barrels and espresso, I'm pretty sure. Um, I didn't get so much of the espresso flavor in this. It's boozy, but I really didn't get that. I got a little bit of that espresso feel, but it wasn't... Um, I wanted a little bit more of it. I wanted to have that espresso kind of flavor out of it, and I didn't get that. So it happens. I have one more bottle left of the first anniversary stuff from Source, which has been fantastic, by the way. And if you haven't been there, now look, places are open again for indoor um, indoor seating. I know what Ticket was doing indoor seating this weekend. A few places were doing it at 25% capacity. But there's still plenty of time to go to these places and sit outside. Source has done a great job of putting Adirondack chairs out, um, tables. Some of them are first come, first serve. Some you have to reserve. Uh, but definitely worth uh, heading over to Source and getting the beers directly from the source. Uh, was over at uh, Crossroads over in Garwood. Hadn't been there in a while. I was there with some high school friends the other night. And they have a great uh, tap beer selection as well as a canned beer selection. Additionally, their food is fantastic. Uh, I had the uh, shrimp and crawfish etouffee, and it is phenomenal. They do a lot of Cajun stuff. They have burgers there as well, fish sandwiches. But really, the Cajun food is really their staple there, and it is uh, fantastic. So uh, first up, I had the Mujito uh, by Bolero Snort. Uh, light and refreshing. It definitely captures uh, the um, the flavor of a Mojito. Excellent lager. Really, really nice. Uh, a good starter beer. Then I moved on to the Bolero Park Raptoro, which they had made kind of because of they have their little Bolero Park uh, outdoor seating. Uh, great IPA. Good bite to this. Uh, really, really nice. And um, 
One that I should have picked up in cans and I didn't. And you know what? I'm glad I had it on tap. And again, I should have picked it up in cans. Is the Burgi by Icarus. Excellent pale ale. I was very impressed at how smooth this went down. I was really expecting something else out of it. I think I was expecting more of a little bit more bittering. Um, but I guess Jason went with uh, kind of a softer play on this. And it is delicious. Great beer, low ABV. Uh, definitely something uh, that if I see it in cans, I would definitely pick it up. Don't sleep on that one. It's a good, it's a good solid beer from Icarus. And like I said, Crossroads, a great little place. They have you know music in the in the back. They have uh, a whole area set up in their back parking lot where you can do outdoor dining. Obviously, indoor dining is in now at twenty five percent. But again, I, my wife and I, I think are going to wait a couple of weeks um, before we decide to do some indoor dining. I'm, I I want to see if there is going to be a spike if people are going to rush to get to these restaurants and stuff, and I want to make sure um, that it's safe for the two of us to go in. And again, you know, we're a month or so away from fall. We gotta, you know, we gotta watch out here. So, uh, and you need to be careful. But folks, we are out of time on this Labor Day weekend show. My thanks to everyone involved in the program, as well as my guest Rob Comstock. He's the managing partner at Riptide Partners. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Tuesday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. Have a great Labor Day, everybody. This has been the Alga Tulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, cheers, everybody.